The Dunedin Symphony Orchestra's concert programme for 2022 is starting mid-year, but given the events of the last two years, it's understandable. It also means the orchestra has been able to confirm an overseas conductor in the mix, something that couldn't have been confirmed until recently. The invited soloists are all homegrown. General Manager Philippa Harris says surviving the COVID era has been thanks to the government's wage subsidy scheme and also to the fervent support of the local community. Philippa explains the logistics involved in producing the Dunedin Symphony Orchestra's 56th programme. Yes, well, there was Plan A and there was Plan B. Uh, Actually, we're up to Plan F, to be honest. (laughs) We um, were hoping to launch early in the year, at the end of January, early February. Um, But just as we were putting the final touches to everything, there were signs that Omicron was on its way. And we could tell that it was going to be quite disruptive and that our 30th of April concert, which was the first concert in the series, was likely to be affected. And it was unlikely that people would be interested in booking for it in advance, you know, because you'd want to wait and see what was going on. So we had to put pause on the launch of the concerts and we postponed that concert to the end of the year instead. Quite fortuitously, the next concert is an early June concert. So what we've done instead was start the series in June. Um, So we're quite lucky to be able to do that. Um, And in the meantime, it gave us time to fully develop our new website. So in a way, it turned out to our advantage to have that delay. Uh, And bookings are coming in steadily, thank goodness. Uh, We weren't quite sure whether people would be interested in booking but I think as case numbers decline so clearly the level of confidence rises proportionally. I mean funding's always tight for orchestras particularly perhaps for regional orchestras but how have you managed to survive? It's been an interesting time Lynn. (laughs) We've had to rely quite a bit on the wage subsidy to be honest and that's because we wanted to pay people are are players and conductors and soloists for cancelled concerts and uh, without the ticket income and the sponsorship income coming in that was going to be tricky to do mind you that was what the wage subsidy was created for was to be able to pay people for um, cancelled work so we were pleased to be able to do that through that we've managed to survive and I must say our funders have been great And without them, it would have been even trickier. So we've been lucky. And many people who had booked subscriptions to our series concerts decided to convert what they had paid to donations. You know, when it was clear we couldn't put on the concerts that they'd paid for, they said, please accept their money as a donation. So we've been very thrilled with the level of support we've had from so many sectors of the community. And our sponsors have totally understanding as well. That's really heartwarming, isn't it? And and that's what, you know, uh, a regional, a community orchestra can do, you know, have that very direct personal relationship with people who've supported you for years and years. It must mean a lot to the musicians because, of course, fantastic that they were able to, to get paid, you know, be able to pay their bills. But that sort of support from the community, I imagine, meant an awful lot to them. Yeah, very heartening. You're quite correct. Um, our musicians are reasonably reliant on the income from the orchestra and yes you're right being um, not one of the bigger centres it does mean we are able to have very close ties with our supporters on a sort of personal level and I think also there is huge pride in Dunedin in their orchestra 
And that response that we've had through the COVID lockdowns, etc., has been evidence of that. So when you were thinking about the concerts that you wanted to perform this year, off the hmm. back of a really tough two years, what was the sort of mix that you've come up with? You know, a mix to, to entertain, I've seen the word well-being used in the introduction to the programme, you know, society's well-being, mm-hmm. the big contribution that the orchestras can make to that. Um, but also, of course, you want to test your musicians too. <laughs> yes, that's quite right. Yeah, this, a series is an interesting beast. It's necessarily a mixture. So we've got a focus on New Zealand musicians. It didn't seem wise to risk an international lineup, which is what we actually had for 2020. But there are so many great musicians in New Zealand anyway, so it's a lovely excuse to focus on them. And so we've got uh, a range of conductors and soloists, and it's fantastic to have these people that we can bring to the Dunedin audiences. The mixture is of repertoire is also a mix of New Zealand and tried and tested traditional masterpieces as well. One of the differences for us this year is a concert celebrating Matariki, and that's our July International Series uh, Town Hall concert. It coincides with the local Kuaka Matariki Festival, and it's going to feature a range of works which celebrate stars and and also um, we're playing um, Holsts, the planets. It's a good excuse to play that work. We are really looking forward to working with Ariana Tiako and Alistair Fraser, who are exponents of Tuanga Puro as well, in works which are specially written with a Matariki theme. So that's a very special concert for us. I see too uh, there's a partnership with Alzheimer's Otago. Love to find out a bit more about that. You know, music has a very special power to unlock Alzheimer's sufferers' um, brains in a way that I think science is still trying to define. But putting on a concert for um, Alzheimer's sufferers brings immense pleasure to them. Utterly delightful for the performers to do this concert, to help connect with those people and to see the pleasure on their faces. It's it's a very heartwarming thing to do, and it's it's easy for us to to do that and connect with them. You talked before about social well-being. This is a, a good example of that. You know, if you're looking for some good to have come out of the last two years, maybe it's maybe it's that. Maybe it's the fact that some of our um, our musicians have had opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise have had. Do you see it that way? Absolutely, and I think there's. Audiences have come to enjoy, love and enjoy our New Zealand conductors and soloists in a way that they might not have otherwise um, had the chance to do. And I think also the other thing that um, has come out of the COVID is the appreciation of all those involved in the concerts, that live performances have that X factor. It's that sort of electrical connection between the conductor and the players and the audience that you just can't get through digital means or recordings. Uh, So I think there's an added excitement from everyone's perspective to go back to live concerts. I see that you're confident enough to 
uh, be able to bring into the country uh, at least one conductor for this series. And this is an Italian-Australian cellist turned conductor. I mean, again, you know, we started talking about the logistics of this. Perhaps that was one of the last things that you could sign off on, um, knowing that the borders are open and this would be possible. But tell me about Umberto. He sounds very interesting. We actually connected with him via our principal guest conductor, Simon Over. Simon Over is a London-based conductor who sadly, of course, hasn't worked with us recently, but he had worked with Umberto in London, I think, and said that Umberto had then moved on to be the principal cellist of the Sydney Symphony Orchestra, and that Simon would very much like to work with Umberto in the DSO as cello soloist. So I think it was about 2015, Umberto came over and worked and was soloist. I think it was the Elgar Cello Concerto. And it was a very interesting week, actually, that one, because Umberto, usually a soloist will come at the end of the rehearsal week, just before the concert, and there'll be a couple of rehearsals, and then there's the concert. So there's very little time to really engage, for the soloist to really engage with the orchestra and vice versa. What Umberto did is he came at the start of the week. So that whole week, we worked on the Elgar Cello Concerto. And so by the time of the concert, there was this real feeling of connection between the uh, orchestra and Umberto. So it was a very deeply satisfying musical experience for everyone. Now we're moving on to 2022, and Umberto has hung up his cello bow, as it were, and taken up the baton and is a leading conductor of Australian orchestras. And so we've invited him to come over and conduct us. And you're absolutely right. This is the, the one risk that we're taking in terms of someone who's not New Zealand-based. However, uh, it's looking good, isn't it, for the borders to be open then. But we're really looking forward to working with him. As I say, he's working with all the major Australian orchestras at the moment. And uh, so we'd just be delighted to work with him in his new role. The Dunedin Symphony Orchestra's General Manager, Philippa Harris, there.